0: Hey, I'm Michael. And I'm Greg. And we're two new dads and the co-founders of a company called Lalo and your hosts of The Dad Pod, where we talk with cool dads doing cool stuff so we can learn a thing or two. Today, we're excited to talk to Michael Perry, the founder and CEO of Maple, a new app that gives families a way to share responsibilities and get things done together. You could say they're building the family operating system. Today, we talk about how our partners support the entrepreneurial journey we're on, IVF,
1: and leaving your dream job. Nikki and I just went away for a few nights for the first time without Jace and I must say it was spectacular. Have you and Gabi thought about getting away at all yet? Obviously it's been a crazy year for everyone just given raising kids during quarantine, but obviously us having kids like too, it's been insane. Have you like what what are you guys thoughts about it?
0: Yeah. Um I wish we could. I really wish we could. So Gemma's not weaned. She breastfeeds, but she, you know, she's eating solids and she's breastfeeding, but she still relies on that for so much. So unfortunately we can't, we have handcuffs that we can't get away. And she doesn't, bo- I've mentioned this, I think on other episodes that she doesn't take a bottle, which was a COVID casualty. Mm. So that
1: should be a good hashtag, a COVID casualty.
0: Yeah, hashtag COVID casualty. We just got our like second date night in over a year. So wow. yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's, you know, there's no one around. Like you know, first of all, we we didn't feel really comfortable going out to eat, even you know, in COVID, and we got vaccinated, so we were able to do it. My mom, who watches Gemma on Wednesdays, stayed. Luckily, we were so fortunate for her to stay and kind of just sit there while Gemma slept, but be the person in the house that allowed us to go out for a COVID-safe dinner. But I'm, just, you know, I just want to go away for a night or two. It doesn't matter. Where did you like, go? Um, we went to just like our local. Pasta place in Park Slope, just like very local, low key.
1: Did it hit the spot?
0: Oh, it was so good. It was so yeah. good. I mean, just, I can only imagine what being away for a couple of days did. Like, I mean, did, but did you, how often do you guys talk about Jay's, look at pictures, video chat? Like, did you guys fully detach or like, no, it's still so present?
1: You know, those parents that you see, or you probably did see when you weren't a parent. And you hear them just like talk about their kid twenty four seven just to each other. Just like pull out their phone and look at pictures of them from three days ago, and then you FaceTime with them, and then together you're like, "Oh my god, he looks so old." Like that was us. (laughs) There was so little detachment. Like any moment, we're like, "Oh my god, he's awake right now." We have a pretty moment. Like we got to FaceTime him. We missed him so much. It was, it was such a surreal feeling. I mean, the saddest thing was. Because it was a couple nights, my sister drove my car with a car seat to my mom's house. My mom and sister and her boyfriend took care of them. And I'm sure, the like, boyfriend loved that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I thanked him for being, uh, you know, a, the stand in father for the week, the stand in male figure. But, right. um, you know, watching him drive away in the car was one of the saddest moments I've, like, Had in my life, like I, you know, like when my mom used to cry when she dropped me off at the bus before camp, and she's like literally sobbing. Like, I get it a little.
0: (laughs) Man, I can always count on you for a little empathy, Greg. Yeah, but you know, I think you know the only thing that really makes this possible is you know having people like your sister's boyfriend (laughs) who are willing to watch (laughs) your kid. Uh, um, And you know, I think I wish we all had so. So much more support in Everything we did, you know, I think we both found ways to to get support when needed. But I'm excited to talk to Michael today, who's who's building something really interesting to help parents rethink the way they operate their lives and get the support they need for you know everything from mundane tasks to date night. So let, let's bring Michael in and, and chat with him. What's going on, Michael? What's
2: up, Michael? How are you guys doing?
1: We're doing good. How are you?
2: Good that intro music was a vibe.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> Welcome to the show. That that's just setting the tone for the rest of the episode.
2: I was over here just getting in my feelings, getting getting my groove on a little bit by myself. Ah, I
1: I got you. We don't blame you. Yeah, seriously. Um. Well, listen, Michael and I, you know, we were actually you know doing some research from the episode, um, and we saw an awesome tweet that you had uh, about that your wife sometimes gives the harshest feedback uh, on some of your investor updates. And just got Michael and I thinking about, you know, the impact our spouses have had on us creating Lalo, the support we've had. So, you know, would love to just understand, like, how did your wife impact Maple?
2: Oh my God. Well, I think it's important to share some context. My wife and I have been together for uh, 15 years this year. And this is my fourth company. And so I think we got in a, yeah, thank you so much. And I think there was a time, you know, when you're an early entrepreneur, I was getting turned down by so many investors, business was going so bad that you'd come home and like, I did not want to talk about work, right? My wife would want to ask a question and I'm Mm -hmm. like, I need to have some sanctuary, some space where like I can check away from this. And I think what was really exciting about Maple is that we were a very different place in our life, very different place in our entrepreneurial journey. And I do look at my wife as like a co-founder to our life. We've built a family together. There's so much going on. And Maple is so much of a family business and family first business that from the very inception and beginning of Maple and leaving Shopify to start Maple, it was very much a co-founder conversation between the two of us. Of you know, Are we prepared to take on startup life again? But the stress that that brings, the hours that are required, um, are we all in as a team to build the future of parenting together? And so, yeah, my wife has been on test flight from day one. She tests the product. My wife gets investor updates. She Sometimes I want to pull my hair out, but gives some oftentimes very critical and harsh product feedback. I gave an investor update, which I tweeted about, which she basically sent me a TLDR, like Cliff Notes response of things that I could have probably done better. So, <laughs> um, you know, I think that when you have 15 years between you, four companies, a child, a million things, like... Uh, you know, having high trust and transparency and keeping it real all the time is the ultimate path to happiness and success. And so, uh, I feel thankful that my wife, as much as it drives me fucking bonkers sometimes, um, is always willing to point out ways that I can continue to improve and be better, both as a father, husband, and entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you had an amazing job at Shopify, you know, arguably maybe your dream job and I did. Yeah you left and started a new company. I mean, we, Greg and I know that, that risk very well. You know, you, you yep. go to basically nothing. You don't take, yep. maybe don't take a salary for some amount of time. Yep. You're hustling, grinding, but you also had a kid. Yep. You had, you yep. needed support. Like yep. what was the level of risk you felt? Was it different than any of the other companies you founded because you now had a kid? Like what was, how did that measure up?
2: Well, I mean, you know, leaving Shopify was, in some ways, one of the hardest decisions I've ever faced, right? Um, when you're leaving companies to start companies, I, I kind of was poor, didn't have anything. It was, uh, it felt like very little risk, all gain, because there was nothing but upside and I was leaving environments or places or career paths that I didn't want to be in. You know, Shopify is an amazing business. It is a company that is very deeply rooted in helping entrepreneurs. And that's something that, you know on record in a thousand different articles that I'm extraordinarily passionate about. I was making an absurd amount of money. um, And it was exactly what you just said. It's like, I'm walking away from a job that I love, a problem space that I've given 20 years of my life to, uh, people that I feel that I build for, uh, a huge amount of cash that I left behind, And yeah, I had a baby and a million pieces of responsibility. You know, it wasn't like I was 20 and starting from nothing. I was in my mid thirties with a family and obligations, but the reality kind of came down to me of what would I want to tell my son in this situation?
0: Yeah. And
2: I just had to have these like really hard practice, which you preach conversations with myself. And I do believe in living a very authentic life. And while I was comfortable and happy there, it wasn't necessarily the life that I wanted to be living or the problem that I wanted to be solving for anymore. Yeah, right. and I, you had to just take on that, roll the dice. And luckily, my family yeah. and my wife supported that decision.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, on that note, you know, you you mentioned your wife, how you know critical she was to you know helping you essentially fo- you know found Maple. Um, yeah. you know, in terms of of getting that support to leave Shopify? I mean, who else is sort of in your support system, um, which ultimately, you know, as, uh, I know you guys say Maple makes up sort of your family operating system.
2: Yep. Yeah. I mean, um, first of all, these are fucking great questions. You guys are like really <laughs> obviously incredibly good at podcasts. So I'm, <laughs> I'm impressed. Like I'm having a great time here. Um, you know, I, I
1: it must be, it must be the beer.
2: It, well, the beer <laughs> is certainly, Uh, I'm a fan favorite of this IPA, but I'm actually becoming a fan favorite of the dad pod. So I I feel like, you know, this is a tipping point, a life-changing conversation. (laughs) Um, You know, I obviously spoke to my parents. I believe in uh, their guidance, Um, regardless of how old I am. I think, you know, my my family has always operated from, you know, you may not want to hear what we're going, you know, like what you're going to hear, but this is what you need to hear. And my parents, you know, equally, shared some concerns like hey you know you're not a young guy anymore to the, to, to the extent that you're not 20 you're you know in your mid30s, you have a child, you have a lot of responsibilities, you're being paid super well. and they also lived through me living on food stamps, you know getting eviction notices, having my electricity turned off, seeing all the rejection from investors, losing a ton of body weight, failing company, failing company. So I think there's a little bit of like PTSD amongst my mother specifically. Um, but ultimately, like my parents stand behind me and they believe in my ability and my skill set and the growth trajectory that I've been on. And, you know, I think everyone in my family rallies behind this belief that you get one admission ticket to this thing called life. And um, you have to pick and choose your ride as you see fit. And um, I was unwilling and unwavering to settle on myself. I wanted to be uh, ambitious in the, the way that I live my life and who I see myself becoming. And I think my family understand my DNA and they get that. My wife was uh, the first to tell me I should quit. My mother was the second to support it. My father was surprised that I kind of stayed for four and a half years and I hadn't quit Mm -hmm. sooner. Like, um, you know, I think that they knew what they signed up for and the kind of child that they had. And equally so, I I had conversations with my co-founder, who I started the last company with, um, who ended up leaving Shopify with me on the same day to start Maple. You know, I, I leaned on uh, uh, some people that I just really trusted and valued their opinion. In hindsight, I don't. I mean, definitely, you want the sign off of your parents if you if you need it for whatever reason. You ultimately want the sign off of your life partner. But I do. When I look back, I realize that there's probably nothing that anyone outside of my wife could have told me. Like, if my wife was adamant about me not giving it another go, I wouldn't have. Yep. But I think that. Sometimes we just want to get that comfort from some other people that it's going to be okay when you're doing something scary.
1: Totally, like it's so much about just the validation from other people that it is totally. okay. You know, it's totally. like yeah, I remember you know when Michael and I were thinking. I mean, it was like almost like I told Michael about it, and we were like, "Okay, we're doing it." And like and Michael and I happen to be. Definitely uh, gut feeling, people, and we've probably suffered some of the repercussions of maybe making decisions too quickly. With especially like our wives and maybe some others, but you know, just like having, and I I remember in the early days, like my wife just asking, you know, because I left a pretty good job too, and it's just like, are you sure? And like, there's nothing when you are an entrepreneur just by trade, like it's so hard to get rid of that feeling to like not feel. Fulfilled in that way. Yeah. I mean, previously I I went from my dream
0: job as a as a sports agent, which like literally my dream since I was like 10, right? Till yeah. I achieved it and I worked my ass off to get that job and then started what was my second company it was a bootstrap tech startup in the fitness space. And this mm-hmm. was like six, seven years ago. And my wife lived through that. I didn't pay myself and I shut it down after a year because it, it was bleeding money. Yeah. And I was doing it by myself. I was working a ton and then, you know, went to a new company and met Greg. And there definitely was a sense of hesitancy at first when I was like, hey, first of all, we didn't have a kid yet when Greg, you know, we had just started trying when Greg and I um, decided to go full steam on Lalo and she was like, are, are you sure? Like, are you are you sure this is the right decision? You know, and um what makes you qualified to do this or you think this is the right decision and at that point we were also like looking at homes and i was like right. you know what there's no better bet right now than betting on ourselves like let's invest totally. in ourselves we don't need to invest in real estate and get a home like totally. that will come at some point if if we want and but there's no better investment than in yourself so you know that support you know we both agreed on that and that's when we decided you know okay you know teaming up with Greg and doing this was the the right decision
1: yeah totally. it's it's also just like so interesting as you think about the ebbs and flows of, hey, I'm so confident myself. And then the other lower moments of, wait, I still need other people to pick me up. It's like, you know, when you start the business, you have the idea, you're like, this is the best fucking idea ever. There's no one can tell me different. Then you have the moments you start working on. Rejection you start, from re- rejection, from- oh, investors, yeah. Oh, yeah. whomever. Then you have like this low point. Then you start to see see some good some good signs in the business. Then there's a high. Then there's a low. And like you know, through that you need this different you know different types of support from all of those people um, that you mentioned, Michael, parents, friends, family. Um, you know, obviously our wives being critical components here um, throughout the entire journey.
2: I mean, here's the reality, right? Like entrepreneurship is a sick fucking disease. It's just disgusting. (laughs) It's not a career. It's a disease. It's not a career. Like it's a complete lifestyle and it's a complete disease. And like, I think that on any given day, I go from thinking I'm like the most creative genius in the entire world to the dumbest fucking person that must ever come into human existence. Like the pendulum can swing over lunch. Like I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh my God, this is insane. And then I'm like, no one's gonna use this shit. (laughs) And I just think it's like, this is what I love about meeting entrepreneurs. And this is what I love about uh, helping entrepreneurs. And this is why there's a a bit of sadness in leaving Shopify is that you gotta be a special kind of sicko to like go all the way in, Mm -hmm. right? Where you're just like, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna, instead of putting $50,000 into Amazon stock, which is almost guaranteed to double in the next three years, I'm going to put 50 grand on myself or I'm going to bet a hundred grand on myself or I'm going to walk away. And I think that you are just someone so insanely special and courageous, and whether it works out or not. I just applaud the people who are like, I'm betting on me. I've like deleted and I've gotten in trouble so many times for the shit I see on Twitter. And that's why I'm trying to, I would love to just delete my Twitter account, but <laughs> I'm equally addicted to that. It's like, I will pick myself over buying Bitcoin seven days of the week.
0: Yeah. I think there's, there's, Two right? In, in entrepreneurship, there's certainly in, in, imposter syndrome. Look, you know, we, we've all have done things that we've never done before, and that's what it means to be an entrepreneur. Is like that next day you start working on something that you maybe never touched before, may not have experience in, in a lot of a lot of times. Um, and then you become you sink your teeth in, and you become an expert over time, or you know, as much of an expert as you can be. But I think one thing about being a dad is I don't know if imposter syndrome actually exists when being a dad and look we've never done it before but right. there's something innate in parenting and fatherhood that you just you learn how to do it by doing it in, right. very similar to entrepreneurship but there's i don't i personally don't feel that imposter syndrome at right. any moment in
1: time that i fe- that you know, we all experience as entrepreneurs at some point in time so so relevant i was answering these questions for some interview recently and, and the question was do you think you're a good dad or what does it mean to be a good dad? And that was something that I wasn't even sure. I was like, I only know how to be myself as a father and I I cannot calculate or give you a definition of what it means to be a good dad. I'm doing what I believe is best or like fulfills myself and ultimately is good for, good for my child. And it's true, like in business, like- you equally don't know what the fuck you're doing and you do you, you do have that imposter syndrome. Well, I think that's yeah. one thing I love about Maple, Michael,
0: when you showed me is like Maple is not about telling you how to run your life as a family. It's about you setting up the right construct that works for yes. you as a family Yes. to organize it in a way that makes you better communicated, yep. more well-rounded as a family and enjoying life together yes. so you don't have to think about all the nonsense. And like, that was very clear to me the second you talked about it and showed it, it, you know, it made total sense. There, there isn't a playbook for parenting and fatherhood as much as you want to go to Google. It doesn't matter.
2: No, because like what I think, so, you know, I've built a lot of products over the last uh, 15 years and very specifically in marketing technology and AI and machine learning and um, these industries that, you know, there are to some extent, you're, you're always trying to build cutting edge, but there's foundations and best practices that you can kind of build on top of, right? And for a small business owner to run a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad or a Google ad, there is a bit of a playbook there because there's, there's such a blueprint to what businesses at certain sizes, certain SKUs, certain whatever, they, they, they all kind of consistently need. And I think what's amazing about family tech and I really don't believe that there are as many family tech companies out there. And I don't want to say that we're the only one really kind of pushing the envelope. But what I mean is there's 125 million families in America, which to me believes that there's 125 million different use cases for Maple. Because every family knows what's best for their particular family. Every parent has a different set of rules or a different set of beliefs, a different value system. Um, but I think that there's this common ground that most people, if not all parents, want to do what's absolutely best for their children uh, through their eyes. right? Whatever they're doing, they think through their eyes it's absolutely what's best for their children. And so what, what Maple is really on the path to do is make it absolutely as easy as possible to fulfill that dream. To fulfill that dream. Help you take the best care of your kids and your daily responsibilities because I do think that we are living through a very divine time in human history where technology can start actually being the source of time creation. And I don't know about you guys, but I know for a an absolute fact at this stage of my life, when I'm on my deathbed, when I'm at the end, when I look back, I probably won't think about a single idea or a single patent or a single dollar made or a single company. What I'm gonna be thinking most about are like my kids. And like the time that I created with them and the moments and the memories, I'm going to be thinking, are they going to be okay? And I'm going to be having sadness in my heart that our time physically together is coming to an end. And I think if Maple can play this generational role, and again, I don't want to be overly philosophical or seven-day fucking old company, so take me with a grain (laughs) of salt. But if we can... Allow for more of those memories and more of those moments and minimize kind of some of that regret to exist. I do think what we're doing is incredibly groundbreaking and special. And so I think when you have those kind of conversations about the world you're wanting to build, and when I talk to my wife about these things of how I see what we're doing and how it's going to translate to society, it's like my son is going to be a father someday. And so I'm on a race, right? Like I'm on a race to build a techno, I'm 30 years away. Like I think if I give it 30 years of my absolute best, then my son is going to get to experience the purest form of joy and more memories and more love with his own children. If he's fortunate to have one. Right. Yep. And I'm building maple for him as a father.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you talk about the dream of being the best parent, but you, you bring up this point of, you know, your kid being a dad at some point and hopefully fortunate enough. And I know you and I both had, our own infertility journeys, and you yeah. know, both of our kids being born through IVF, and future kids likely born through IVF as well. Yeah. Um, and we talked a little bit about support your wife gave you during starting a company. And I think a lot of the IVF journey, at least for for my wife and I, and every journey is very personal, was about my support. You know, trying to find the best way to support my wife through it. Um, yeah. And, and myself, but, you know, ultimately nothing was happening really to my body. It was happening to her body. So there was a lot more support that needed to be given her. And there were times where I had to find, you know, time and say, oh, well, this is a joint thing. This is, you know, I have to totally. also face the reality. This is different than expected. How did yeah. you, like, how did you experience that? And how did you support during the that process as well?
2: Yeah. Well, first and foremost, um, like amazing to hear, of course, and I, I, I knew that you've gone through the IVF process and happy to hear that it all worked out well and you have a beautiful baby from what i can see on instagram um, mm-hmm. so congrats i just remember probably one of the hardest moments of my adult life was sitting in a doctor's office and you know i'm not a super academic guy i'm not i never claimed to be a smart guy you know i barely graduated high school didn't finish college i don't even remember taking biology or <laughs> these kind of classes And my wife, on the flip side, is like pre med, biology degree, worked in cancer research. And I remember sitting in a doctor's office and them explaining to us why we were likely never going to be able to have a baby and just feeling like absolutely fucking shattered. Like not even understanding it, not even knowing what IVF was. I don't know if you really knew what IVF was before the journey started, but just really kind of realizing that for the very first time, even if I was like in a kind of a grieving state and kind of sad. That like going home and Googling IVF and learning what that was going to entail, that like I was about to become like the real co founder in this relationship in terms of just like being there. I was needle phobic, time to get over that shit. Didn't want to go to doctors. I like, I'm someone who doesn't like going to doctors. I don't like, I'm totally scared of needles. And it was like, put your big boy pants on, like, give the shots, be there, be supportive. Uh, you know, I, it's just. It was just hard, it's just, it's still hard. It's still even kind of hard to talk about because you kind of have to revisit the process and revisit miscarriages and revisit pain and revisit this. And then you're also on the flip side, you're so washed and consumed with gratitude because somebody else went through this emotional and physical hell to give Mm -hmm. you the greatest source of joy and love that I've ever come close, like nothing comes close to the love that I have for my son. Right. Like nothing, not even like, it, it totally reshapes your lens of life. And it was all because my wife was willing to go above and beyond and put herself through everything for me to get to have this. Right. And so, yeah, every child we have in the future will be by way of IVF. I like, it's also like this, and I don't know if you experienced this, Michael or not, but like I had just like this immense, overwhelming level of gratitude for just like the decades of, philanthropy and, and donations that went into science. And it was one of these life events that like my wife and I have completely become philanthropic with UCSF's Reproductive Center. And are, it's, just, it's been so around the world, life-changing in terms of being supportive as a husband and being supportive as a partner of someone going through it. And then just being supportive on a human level, uh, somebody that has a, a little bit of resources and means of like how can I continue to contribute to the next family in line right who needs the the research to advance and needs for science to advance to give them a better shot when they're hearing this very harsh news that this might be their only path. Yeah. So it's weird. It, it, it still feels like one of the largest, if not largest, life changing moments in my life because I've just built such a larger empathetic lens to reproductive care. I was completely uneducated about how hard it is to get pregnant, how common miscarriages are. Like, I, I just didn't know anything. And now I feel like it's become a, a complete center point of my life.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I, mean, everything you said rings true. And, you know, it's unbelievable. I I, I had the same gratitude for science and, and appreciation for doctors in a way that I never had appreciation for doctors in their way to, you know, we had a great doctor at Columbia here in New York that, that really was exactly the type of person we needed for, for this circumstance and are are so grateful to our doctor, Dr. Foreman in, in helping us, um, get through that process. But there were so many, you know, there was a complete support system around that too. I mean, it it is like you said, especially for my wife, wife, it was a, it was a grieving process. Yep. And I had to, you know, look, there were times where I couldn't say the right thing, no matter what I said, it was not the right thing. And like, I needed to understand in those moments that, you know what, I can keep trying. I can keep trying until I finally crack through. Um, And I just need to take it. If I don't say it right that time, like, okay, listen, really, really listen to what I said and how she's giving me the feedback in that moment, because I do not understand. First of all, they're injecting hormones into themselves like, Totally. an insane rate that like throws yeah. everything off so yeah totally it's a crazy process way more people need to know about how hard it is to get pregnant the male infertility rate is skyrocketing um, yep. for so many factors that we can have a whole nother podcast on at some point but and there's crazy science out there about that so it's it's not just women too and men need to understand the role that they play in the fertility journey it's not just about can your wife get pregnant or can your partner get pregnant it's about can you together as a unit get pregnant? And then there's a whole nother side of it between, you know, same-sex couples and like the science of, of IVF allows same-sex couples to have biological children.
2: Yeah, even it's crazy. Thought, right? Yeah, it's crazy.
0: So there, there's so much interest in, you know, helping people start families and, you know, finding that first dream before even thinking about the dream of becoming the perfect parent. But Michael, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. Oh,
2: gosh. This is great. I'm so humbled. I appreciate it so much. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you.
1: Thanks for tuning into the Dad Pod. Let us know who you want to hear on the pod next by DMing us on Instagram at Lalo. That's L-A-L-O, or emailing us at dadpod at meetlalo.com. We'll catch you next week with a brand new episode.